0: Hello, my name is Naveed Minhas, the FS Digital Platform Leader in the Middle East with PwC. 2020 has been an unprecedented year so far, with 5G suddenly becoming controversial, with social media battles playing out on what's right to post. But more significantly, COVID-19 that's disrupted all our lives. Where planes stopped flying, GDPs got dented, and working from home became a norm. Inevitably, consumer habits have changed. Yet in all this turmoil, many in the financial industry see COVID-19 as an agent of change to introduce digital transformation. With this backdrop, we at PWC were keen to understand the thoughts of our leaders in the financial industry. So in this series of podcasts, we'll be asking our guests, what's your why for FS in digital? So please join and share your comments for us to engage in the months ahead. Hi, we're lucky to have with us Yuri Misnik today, a seasoned technologist. He's the group CTO of Fab First Abu Dhabi Bank, one of the largest banks in MENA. He comes with a rich history from National Australia Bank, from HSBC, from AWS, and even Microsoft. And he's here today with us to share his thoughts on what's your why for FS in digital. And as PwC kick off this podcast series, one of the topics we're going to be addressing today is how is technology relevant for digital today in this region. So, Yuri, thank you. Welcome. Uh, thanks,
1: Navid. Thanks very much, and uh, very happy to be here, and very happy to be talking to you. I hope we have we're going to have a very interesting conversation today, and uh, and it's sort of very uh, very exciting for me to be uh, here in the region uh, as well. I've, I'm new to uh, to Middle East. Uh, I've spend my previous life mostly either in Asia uh, or Australasia in Australia and sort of Singapore as well as in London um, and uh, that's very different especially with this whole situation around COVID and all the challenges we're having right now but very happy to be here.
0: Thank you Yuri, great to have this discussion with you today to kick the series off uh, on what's your why for in Digital. Yuri, 2020 uh, was your first year in the region and uh, with COVID it's certainly been a year that many of us don't want to repeat. Um, we can already see the impact of COVID. It's very visible with uh, empty branches and definitely the rising online transactions that we all see across the industry. And it's a bit ironic how COVID is now seen uh, as an agent for digital transformation, which really is my first question for you, Yuri, which is, is digital transformation real? And does it make sense for banks?
1: That's, that's actually a great question. and. Uh... And we've been thinking a lot about it recently because, you know, as you talk to uh, different uh, people, industry experts, uh, consulting companies, uh, everyone uses the word digital transformation almost every second sentence. And, and it's it's, it's actually a good conversation. I think digital is real. Uh, I actually think the word transformation might be a bit uh, too much to use. I think what we're doing, we're definitely doing, you know, a digital transition or digital evolution. Uh, rather than transformation. And transformation is yet to come, for sure. But yes. uh, very few banks or very few organizations and financial services actually did this, this transformation. And let me sort of elaborate a bit on this. I absolutely believe that, uh, you know, w- actually maybe we should say it a little bit differently. We're doing a digital catch-up. Uh, that 's probably a better way to say of what 's happening uh in fsi right now, so if you think about the other industries, retail being a great example of this, and uh, right now you see sort of even manufacturing uh, automotive they 're all catching up with you know much more uh, how to say self service digital native interaction with between people and uh, and the services and the systems on the other side, I actually think banks been quite uh, lagging behind. And what's happening right now is this catch up is is accelerating and it's, it's, it's sort of, it's really, really happening very fast. But, but what we're doing effectively is, uh, is, is very, very, you know, reasonable and pragmatic things. We would like to, for customers to interact with the bank seamlessly, to do as much as possible from the comfort of their home or from the comfort of their device uh to be able to actually do everything which they or process everything which they do really quickly and really fast so sort of straight through processing and automation uh, which helps the customer also which helps the banks but i do believe that this is sort of catch up this is not transformation i also believe that as an industry yeah. we uh, definitely uh, are yet to see the you know fundamental um, qualitative transformation of banking and financial services and i don't yeah. think anyone knows how it's going to happen uh, yeah. because effectively you know some things will remain uh, but some things need to be massively changed because we're still doing banking the same way in majority of cases as we've been doing it uh for the previous i don't know 10 20 30 50 100 years right we're still selling the same products uh, we still have these different product lines, which sometimes for the customer doesn't make too much sense. But we're still doing it because we've always been running, and it's very comfortable for us. So yeah. there's definitely be players in the in the industry, uh, and you know, maybe Fab, um, you know, will be one of them. But uh, definitely, with players who would change the way uh, people change the way people do banking and people deal with banking uh, in and corporates deal with banking in different places. Uh, but it's, I think it's a lot of it is yet to come.
0: So, so you, you've actually picked on a very core theme there in terms of for for how long uh, people have been in banking continue to be doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, you said digital's real, uh, banking's catching up. If 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 we go back to though, what's not going to change in banking, and and your point that you just made about having more informed choices is. Is technology then really today for us as customers about looking to banking for making more informed choices? Uh,
1: that's a great question, and, and I think yes. But let me start with uh, with a little bit more sort of behind in terms of what's not going to change. I actually think we should learn from what happened in the retail industry, uh, where effectively what's 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 constant is um, the this sort of desire for customer to have relevant meaningful information to do an action in the retail space to buy something right and yeah. this whole big flywheel of Amazon which I think is an amazing thing an amazing way to, 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 to represent it which connects choice with you know number of customers buying with efficiency and pricing and sort of accelerates so things from my perspective which is not going to change is customers would like to have, always like, regardless of what, would like to have real-time, actionable, relevant information, which helps them to make financial decisions. And when I say financial decisions, that doesn't mean that big things like buying a house, but that could be very much everyday things like going shopping and buying something in particular or, you know, understanding uh, how to, you know, how to... Uh, Uh, allocate their uh, the money which is left uh, after each transaction or after salary etc how to do the budgeting uh, properly and uh, uh, and I think the key points here is that it's more about actionable and relevant uh, which means at the moment at the moment and things which I can actually do rather than just giving information so we've seen a lot of proliferation of this um, you know, account planning tools and uh, money management tools, where you could have a see your spending profiles, etc. But it's very hard. if you look at all these all these tools, it's very hard for a for a real you know, normal person to actually understand what to do with this. Right? It shows you lots of graphs and lots of patterns, but it lacks this actionable bit in terms of what can I do today uh, to do things better, and what better means. You know, how to achieve my goal. So packaging it all together, I think this is a sort of super critical. This will remain because that's what's what's important for a customer. And I actually believe that technology is in place right now to make it real. Uh, you know, we yeah. have, yes, there are some concerns about regulatory and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, legal aspects of it. Because a lot of this depends on data and how you use data uh, mm-hmm. to help customers. But I don't believe there's a technological barriers uh, for that.
0: Well, look, you, you said so much there. You packed it all in there in terms of being actionable and being relevant. And also the key question is, uh, how does it become better, uh, which, which kind of moves to a subject that I know that is close to your heart on open banking. Uh, okay. So as the region is looking at Europe and Singapore more seriously on, on, on topics like open banking, uh, we know that there are clear benefits for segments like credit risk decisioning. How do you see open banking in this drive to be relevant and actionable uh, as having benefits for UE?
1: Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for that. I was, I was, I was lucky enough to, to see open banking starting in the UK uh, when I was in HSBC and I've also been part of the uh, group working on open banking um, uh, standards uh, in Australia. So sort of I've seen sort of both sides of it. I think Hong Kong and Singapore took a little bit different approach, but still sort of moving in the same direction. I do believe that open banking is a great thing because uh, not only it will drive the ecosystem and it will sort of enable innovation uh, in the industry, uh, it also will actually help banks to be more effective because and, and banks to be more competitive. There are two things which are sort of very important in this, in this case. One is to have a, a level playing ground so that everyone is, is in the same situation, regularly, compliance-wise um legal wise etc so um you know i want to be providing uh, open banking apis as a bank but i also want to be a consumer of the data i want to use other financial institution uh, apis to actually connect and bring data into my realm and do something with that and actually help my customers to do better so having this level playing field is very very important but uh, I think we're all sometimes focusing on this technology aspects of the open banking, like what is the shape of API, uh, like how do you interchange data, what standards exist, et cetera. But I think actually the trick is not there. The trick is deal with uh, data and consent, right? Yeah. And, and sort of consent is a very big word, but fundamentally what is a problem is how do you explain to customers, people who are, you know, normal everyday, uh, people doing their jobs not related to banking, not related to financial. How do you explain them what they're signing up for? If you are, uh, you know, asking them to provide access to their data in the bank, how do you manage this uh, consent cons- consistently, right? How do you make sure that you know it's it's being properly revoked? How do you know what you're doing? So essentially, I, I as a customer would like to understand at any point of time, you know, yeah. how my data is used. Where is it used, and I would should be able to sort of revoke this permit, um, you know. So making this work well and making okay. this customers do this informed choices super important and super hard to be honest, right? Because this is a the interesting boundary between machine and human, right? Sort of the experience design and the, and the, the data model design behind it. Uh, that's one thing. And the second thing, we op- also need a very clear. Uh, I don't want to use the word regulation but but maybe regulation is not a bad thing there is how to treat customer data because the moment the data leaves me as a bank and goes into the third-party application i lose control over it yeah right so this third-party applications who will be using this ecosystem who will be who, who will be using this data need to be uh hold accountable for uh all the aspects of security controls and and responsibilities of of managing the customer data. So this is tricky, right? And, yeah. and again, it should be, from my perspective, it could be a massive, massive enabler for the economy and for the business. Uh, it could be a big innovation driver, but it needs to be done very responsibly and sort of step-by-step educating consumers, educating ecosystem like and sort of you know, moving, mo- moving, moving, moving like that, rather than just going all in and then then dealing with the consequences. But yeah, I'm. I mean we're a huge supporter of this.
0: So, so just building on, again that point you made about the ecosystem and about data. Mm. Um, I was I was talking with the Monetary Authority of Singapore earlier this week at Seamless, and they said one of the most significant factors for open banking growing was the manner in which Singapore had dealt with uh, the consent or the usage of data by the inhabitants of Singapore. So you very much echoed your own thoughts on, uh, consent is very much part of the equation of how benefits can be reaped by both customers and and banks, which which kind of leads to another area actually, uh, which is a lot about how regulation comes into play around cloud. Uh, I know it's a bit of a cliche on how we now see AWS and Azure as the names of clouds, um, and we see them evolve in the industry as well. How, how do you, you see cloud being a play for banks? Is, it, is cloud a play for banks to be competitive or is cloud a play for banks to, to grow or, or both or even to experiment? How would you, do, given you're very close to this subject in terms of your own uh, presentations on this topic, how do you look at cloud for banking?
1: Um, it's a it's very hot topic, as like everyone is talking about cloud right now. Even the people who actually don't do cloud, they still talk about it. And and so the we, uh, I personally believe that the cloud is uh, is inevitable and it is the only way for a modern technology, um, modern enterprise technology to evolve, let's call it like that. Mostly because of a few factors, right? One is efficiency. Cloud is definitely a massive efficiency play. Uh, you know, cost is still a very important factor for uh, for the banking, or oh, for anyone, actually, not just for the banking. But uh, it provides you sort of one of the most effective way, and especially it, it, it sort of pushes you towards this model of pay-as-you-go, right? Technology is moving so fast, and uh, capabilities which I need to provide to my business are evolving so fast that this whole notion of, you know, three, five years of you know, contracts, which you used to sign with the big companies uh, like IBM and Oracle are sort of becoming a, a big, a big uh, st- sort of a stone on your feet, right, that drag you down. And cloud mm-hmm. models, cloud commercial models, not just technology helps you to drive this very, very fast. Plus, obviously, the capabilities on the platform level, which Microsoft, Amazon, uh, Google to some degree, I mean, we definitely are thinking about Google coming in uh, into the region would be a great idea. It actually helps you to move much faster, have a much lower cost of ownership, and the other important thing here is in the technology part is the most critical resources for me is people, is skills uh, to oh. to sort of maintain. And I would like to deploy the skills at the areas which are you know most important, most critical for my business to be to be you know a competitive differentiator for me as a bank uh, yeah. in technology, right? Rather than on doing something which. Is common and which is sort of commodity. You know, uh, Andy JC called it undifferentiated heavy lifting uh, a while ago, and I actually don't want to spend time there. And I want to take my most precious resources and deploy it in a place where they will give you me the best, the best uh, output. So, cloud for me and platform level cloud services for me is this ability to spend people time and money on things which matter rather than yeah. on on the on the basic things, All right? And um, so, so I think this is sort of this is absolutely super critical. Uh, we are definitely, uh, you know, we're, we're building a very strategic partnership with uh, with Amazon and AWS. Uh, We've also been very public about us using um, Microsoft Azure and sort of Dynamics CRM there for um, uh, for the for the developing our future systems um, in, in, in ecosystem. Like so it's absolutely strategic for us. Um, and effectively, if you see the evolution of the technology strategy. Uh, For FAB, for example, it's very, very quickly becoming cloud-first, right? Uh, We absolutely need to be responsible and sort of security is our our top concern, right? It was always a top concern, so protecting our customer data and protecting um, the way we, uh, we deal with different processes. Uh, so uh, we believe that uh, it's actually easier and better for us to do it in the cloud so we can achieve better results, more consistent results in the cloud, mostly because of sort of all the software-defined infrastructure, software-defined automation, software-defined controls, which we can build there, right, compared to what we can do in our data center. Uh, so 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 building this consistency, uh, building this you know, automation on all levels, on the technology levels, on the technology controls, um on that process controls uh it's much easier to do it uh, in the cloud environment compared to on prem um so um so look i think for us it's not the matter of efficiency or competitiveness or uh or innovation i think it's it's the matter of uh survival uh realistically mm-hmm. speaking in in this modern world yeah and the, the other bit which which <clears throat> which sort of i think we are we're coming to realize is that because the whole customer ecosystem is moving so fast, it's very hard for us, almost impossible for us to sort of predict the future. right? We, I don't know in a technology world, I don't know what's, what the business would like to do in, in a year or two years, what, what sort of new things they can come up with uh, to serve the customers better. So having this ability to pivot and quickly react and essentially have a lower cost of experimentation uh, that's sort of super critical for me, and the only place I can do it is in the cloud. So, so that's also an aspect of
0: uh, of this. I think I think the, uh, for those listening, that would have been very, very uh, informative, Yuri, because it's quite clear you see cloud, and 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 rightfully so, as key to the survival of banking in the region. Um, uh, there's a lot for the regulators still to do potentially as well, but I particularly like the way you uh, segmented the question into the way uh, cloud is enabling controls for banks, particularly in process and technology. And and more importantly, for for those of us who keep reading about how it would be cool to be able to experiment and fail, our industry has a very low tolerance for failing. And if cloud can allow you to pivot and experiment with a lower cost associated with that, to try creating the right products that we can sell, then I can clearly see that cloud will continue to be topical for, for all of us in the region. Um, so Absolutely. And I, would,
1: and I would add a little more in terms of cool. the, when we talk about a lot of people have this negative connotation to fail right yeah. I, I would I would actually use this more as a you know experiment and, and adjust right because um, yeah. uh, in this case uh, you know your failure is just to understand, okay, I'm trying the new business model, I'm trying a new service, and you know I might do it and then I realize that I learned something from it and I want to do it slightly different. So this is the, the concept of pivot is, is super important uh, uh, in this division. But other thing which I want to add is, is it's very close to my heart, as you can see, but the, the, the whole concept of you know, how much you can invest in the security of your own data center, of your own estate, compared to if you go to the hyperscalers, how much money they're investing in the security of, of their data centers. And you know we as a standalone bank. It doesn't matter whether we are FAB or whether we're JP Morgan uh, or, uh, or Bank of America, we would never be able to actually funnel that much money into you know, something which 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 effectively uh, doesn't necessarily provide that much ROI. This is sort of the basic. So mm. we believe the cloud is more secure or equally or more secure uh, as our data center. But definitely, and we see this innovation there happening very, very fast. So it's another aspect of things.
0: Well, look, it's it's about survival. And, and um, I'm sure without us getting into uh, this summer and the results ahead of us this summer, survival will be on, on many of our minds, which turns to something that you mentioned earlier that continues to be one of your passions, which is the uses of data. Now, whether it's big data or real data or the focus on collected insights, how, how do you see choices for banks being made which will allow customers to benefit with data being the main boardroom agenda? How do you see data playing out, Yuri, in, in banking?
1: I actually think that data has became the, the main boardroom agenda. I mean, in, in the three companies I worked, uh, sort of last three banks I worked, including FIB, it is the key point of discussion on almost every meeting, uh, on Exco, it's almost on every meeting of the board. And and we believe that this is sort of, when people say, you know, the cliche phrase, that data is a currency of the future, uh, I think it is uh and sort of uh, i actually think we're very early in the journey of using data and understanding how to use data um in uh, in banking especially uh due to many reasons i think uh and again if you come if you compare our industry with others industry which are less regulated i think they've been much more uh much more innovative and and much more aggressive in taking customer data. Like if you think about advertising, if you think about the retail, right? And how, you know, Googlers and, uh, you know, Amazons of the world uh, are actually collecting and combining and using the data to, you know, promote their offerings, to to push your products, to make money out of ads, right? Which is effectively 100% a data-driven business. Correct. All right. In financial yep. services, we are super, super careful with this. And uh, some, sometimes it's actually, Driven by uh, our concerns of the customer and uh, our sort of risk management policies, sometimes it's actually uh, driven by the the regulations and um, and sort of legal frameworks which which we work to. But there are several things which I, I want to touch on, on, which is critical in financial services, and we still need to tackle it. So one is sort of standardization of and maybe that's not a financial services industry problem i think it's a global problem is how do we describe in a consistent way coming back to our open banking discussion how do we describe in a consistent way um the usage of data right so for example if because data i believe that data belongs to the person who whose data it is about yeah. so uh, and 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 that's like like money belongs to the person whose money who, who earned this money right Data belongs to the person who generated this data. Uh, and it will be super interesting, and especially in financial services, right? On one side, we we'll want to describe how we're going to use this data. Like, if I, am, uh, if I have all my transactions, uh, if you have all my transactions, right, and you want to, um, to do something with them and do some analytical uh, workloads and maybe sort of get some insights out of this data, um, first of all, please tell me how you're going to be using it. Uh, and in a way which I would understand, and maybe we are waiting for some standards which should exist on a technology level, uh some sort of uh, uh, data usage definition language, which I haven't seen anyway, maybe it already exists um, which allows you to sort of programmatically describe this uh, these patterns, but also the second point is you know if you're using my data to make some money as a bank, I, as a consumer would like to have a share of it. so how do we create these models where you know, there's a shared profits between the banks, the customers. That's, that's a big question. And there's a big question for the, uh, for the for the industry. I think that's one thing. So so responsible, conscious way of using data uh, is, is a big thing. The second big thing, uh, uh, which essentially is hugely, hugely challenging in the financial services, and we're just starting to see some industry and, uh, you know, science and mathematics behind it is... So the explainability, explainability of the machine learning models. Everyone loves to talk about uh, uh, AI, about neural networks, etc. But you know what was always the regulation in a bank is in banking sector was uh, your ability to always um, explain how you make some decisions and your ability to always demonstrate repeatability of these decisions, right? So if I make decisions to give or not give you the credit. Uh, the regulator expects me to be super, super clear on the rules which I follow to come to these decisions. Uh, if, uh, and also, like, bias, unconscious bias, all these things together. If I start using some very complex, uh, you know, multi layered neural networks to come up with the, with the credit decisioning, um, or other aspects, right, of things, the explainability problem becomes much, 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 much more complex. So
0: what I loved about what you just did, Yuri, was that you you actually took us away from the words big data, uh, real time data, and made it more about explainability and the actual emphasis on uh, neural networks and understanding the logic of data and getting into basic discussions around uh, how do we use data with more relevance and more transparency between us as a customer and banks trying to drive their own. Uh, folks in the industry. So I think it's quite clear data will continue to be topical. It was actually quite positive that you said that banks already in the boardroom are talking about the usage of data and that data will continue to be uh, a a very key topic for for many as we go into the summer. Um, There's many things that we could talk about more on data. I'm very conscious of time though. Um, So let's move on to probably uh, our second last question in this discussion which is around a topic that's close to my heart. And, and no, I'm not going to get into sharing videos about APIs and amazing APIs with you today. But yeah. APIs are a topic where even telcos, if you take the global telecom API market, they're predicting that the API market is going to grow to something like 369 million, sorry, 369 billion by 2026. And even authorities like Singapore are already standardizing with with certain banks the usage of apis how do you Yuri, see API standardization in this region as a focus area for not just banking but for architectures for banking and meeting customer demand for for banks in this region
1: uh, I think that sort of the, the two again as usual there's more than one angle to this so I mean, if, if we talk about technology uh, I think Thank this is reasonably simple the approach is reasonably simple doing it is much harder right and 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 one of the important aspects of being able to do apis is to have you know you know, let's go back to this old um what's it ninety was it like two thousand three two thousand four uh conversation and big famous article of uh, about amazon and how they how they drive this um uh, you know service based architecture I, yeah. I, I i deliberately avoid the word microservice but you know, services 2002
0: 2002, 2002, 2002.
1: Oh, Thank you i was close <laughs> enough for that right um, so so the, the 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 point here is from the technology is that if you a lot of the banks and a lot of financial services have very large very monolithic third party systems right if you think about you know core banking if you think about sort of things like supply chain finance, if you think about things which do liquidity management and, and other, so it's quite big, bulky things. And um, you know, the focus of this vendors who provide the software was very rarely based on uh, thinking about how easy it is to integrate with me, how easy it is to uh, essentially, uh, how many interfaces do I wanna provide out? Uh, and some people are moving in this direction, some companies are actually doing a really good job there, but some not and 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 an ability to have this api ecosystem and by the way before you start creating an ec- ecosystem externally you need to create an ecosystem internally yeah so so it's like you know first of all you need to learn how to do it for yourself before exposing all this to the world uh, so the problem here is not an api gateway is the problem here is not and cloud helps a lot of course from from the capabilities and tools which it provides you the problem here is to to uh you know be able to expose your core systems functionality in a meaningfully granular way for others to consume and if you can do that then it becomes much easier to sort of build this 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 ecosystem for your company and then sort of everyone else combines to that look i I like standardization i i i think you know it, it sort of has um it has sort of two ends of it of the of the story, two sides of the story. On one side, it definitely simplifies consumption, right? So if I have the same way uh, across all the banks to expose my account balance uh, or account transaction history, that definitely helps. Right? Yeah. But on the other side, uh, in many cases, standardization sort of kills innovation because if I want to do something different, it sort of forces me to go through this big governance process, et cetera. So we we need to find a way and this is not easy but it will be super great to do it uh, to balance sort of some standardization around aspects which are super critical for us to be consistent and leave enough space for the API providers uh, to innovate right and uh, and maybe this is sort of this community approach which Singapore and Hong Kong is doing towards you know open banking is not a bad one uh, supported by the right legislation in the right places maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's the way to do it look i don't think it's a technology problem right that's that's realistically yeah. speaking it, it's it's you know it's it's a problem of uh first of all legacy which you have uh but also sort of the uh the uh community and ecosystem getting together uh, and and doing something
0: so i so i heard you say is about first creating the internal ecosystem. I heard you talk a lot about standardization, uh, and and more importantly, you referred to how we could also take lessons from the community programs that Singapore has been driving recently, for not just Singapore, but also in in Europe, which is is one way of looking at how architecture will continue to be, in my opinion, and and clearly in yours as well, one of the key topics for boards to turn and decide on how we drive revenues uh, and employment for all of us in this region. Um, which which now brings us probably to a, a bit of a, a personal dialogue, Yuri. Um, uh, we've, we've been exchanging thoughts back and forth uh, in preparation for this discussion on what's your why for FS Digital, uh, and one of the things we shared was, you know, our childhoods, how we grew up, and, uh, you know, I, I used to sit most Junes and Julys in London listening to uh, Borg and McEnroe make calls, on, on how their matches were going at Wimbledon. And this year, there is no Wimbledon. You mentioned how you grew up in in uh, pre-Gorbachev, Russia, where you saw a lot of controls in society in Russia and how you watched society grow and evolve from that in dealing with those controls and, and grow out of that with all, all sorts of opportunities. Now, it's kind of analogous how COVID itself uh, today places many controls on us today as well in how we live and how we work. Uh, my question to you is really, given the changes you've gone through yourself in your life, from from pre-Gorbachev Russia to Australia to London to to now in mid East Africa, how how does this all temper your view for how you see banking or or this region evolving going forward?
1: I would I would probably take a bit more get more more tech, technology perspective on this. I think it's a very good question, and look, going through some sort of my sort of Young age, sort of when there were perestroika, striker, uh, I hit was I was what yeah. I was ten.
0: That's go and Glassnot.
1: Yes, exactly. So that's uh, that's the so 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 uh, it it was an amazing time when when uh, essentially you didn't know what's going to happen in a month, let's say not say in a year, yeah. and uh, this this sort of mental mental ability to sort of. Um, you know be agile and be able to adjust to changing you know external environments uh, are are super critical and and i think this is extremely important for for us right now to be able to adapt and adjust and and still get, get benefits of this stuff and and one of my big jobs now in fab is to build the, the technology foundation which which um we uh we need to uh, which is which is supporting the business to be able to adjust to supporting the business in this, you know, highly, highly flexible, highly changing, you know, economic environment, external environment. And, and that is a lot of stuff we talked today about data, cloud, APIs, services, all this stuff are super critical for us to do it. I also believe that again, from my, uh, from my sort of uh, history and personal experiences is, is, you know, transformation is never, uh, uh, it's very rarely successful in a top down approach. Right, but it works really, really well if you effectively do, you know, one step at a time without stopping in between. Right, and I do believe that that a lot of the stuff we can do, especially in the technology space, where you know we can constantly modernize and constantly make things better. Right, and I, I, I truly believe in this, in this sort of, uh, part of things. If you fix one problem once a week, uh, by the end of the year, you'll fix uh, fifty-two of them right uh, and it's a compound interest right so it, it builds on top so so our big mentality is uh, in fab and, and that's something which I drive with my team and I try to drive with our partners is sort of be in the space of a you know let's fix things which don't work let's improve every day and if we're adjusting our course as we go through that's that's actually okay it's inevitable you know we live in a dynamic world but as long as we, we as long as it was possible for us to maintain this momentum and maintain this movement, you know, eventually we'll 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 end up in a in a better place and will be much more you know competitive and healthy as a, as a technology organization and and maybe as a business organization.
0: Yuri, thank you very much for your time and your insights today. It's been extremely helpful in understanding how technology will continue to shape. What's your why for FS and digital? Um, it was great to actually understand more about digital transformation and how you see it more as a digital catch-up and uh, digital transition, because digital is real. Um, I particularly like the point you made also about cloud and how cloud now is a strategic partnership with FAB in the region, with AWS and the Azores of the world, and how going forward it will become very much an efficiency play as pay-as-you-go becomes very much part of how banks look at not just their balance sheet, but how they can also improve the ability to drive experimentation as well in the region. Um, Data, the consent of the customer being important was discussed. And lastly, but not least, the point you made about how you saw so much change around perestroika and how you overcame that uh, in in, in not knowing what was happening from one month to the other to to deal with the transition, how we could all learn from that post-COVID named to essentially solve one problem a week which would open up so many opportunities for us in the region for technology and also in digital which is the subject of today's episode thank you yuri for your contributions and your time and we look forward to hearing more from you and from our listeners in terms of how they look at this podcast and how it will drive more dialogue and engagement in the region first of all thank you bye-bye